Coming up on this Friday rundown, automakers fighting against the right to repair law that was recently passed in the state of Massachusetts, sustainability and innovation at insurance auto auctions, and market recap and the horse race of the connected electric and autonomous vehicle space. You won't want to miss who these horses are. Stay tuned. Final round, you lose. What's up, good people? How are you doing for this Friday, December 4th? We've made it. It's the first Friday of December. If my Catholic schoolboy roots are still in me, then this would also lead me to believe this is the beginning of Advent. Advent taking us all the way to Christmas and the birth of Jesus. Should we have some Jesus talk on this show? Hmm, that could be interesting. We'll see. So, let's talk about what happened this past week that was pretty notable in the wonderful world of Wisco Weekly. On the auto enthusiast media website Jalopnik, Raphael Orlov wrote down some notes for their morning shift. Their morning shift is my Friday rundown. Raphael says, automakers are fighting right to repair laws again. If you have a look at the episode page, I'll post two episodes on there where I had both the proponents of question one on the Massachusetts ballot of the right to repair law, and I had the opponents of question one, both on the podcast here. I'll link to that on the episode page. You can have a listen to that. So in Massachusetts, after elections, the proponents of question one won the ballot, which essentially says that automakers now have to relinquish telematics data to the rest of the world effectively. One of the key elements of this particular ballot is the creation of this third party, which that is really, I don't know, ooh, that is going to be a touchy one. Anytime you're introducing this third party that especially doesn't have any kind of fiduciary responsibilities, I think they don't have fiduciary responsibilities because at the end of the day, That third-party organization is only meant to protect and manage the data and the transfer of data. Anytime you bring in a third-party organization like this, it just gets so much more convoluted. So the automakers lost that fight in Massachusetts. One of the things that then is supposed to happen as part of that ballot measure is all the vehicles built starting in the year 2022, yes, 2022, they all have to be able to transmit that vehicle data to whatever, again, that third party, some sort of hub, centralized hub that independent mechanics, but more importantly, auto parts stores can have access to. Automakers fighting 
to ensure that either that date of 2022 gets delayed or to hopefully try to get this revoted potentially through the court system of delegitimizing this right to repair ballot. I don't know. I don't know how that's going to work exactly. But anyhow, so then the guys at Jalopnik represents the idea that earmuffs, please. Bullshit then, bullshit now. Massachusetts tried to pass a right to repair bill back in 2010 and failed, but it succeeded this year, ensuring that car owners won't be locked out of access to their own car's diagnostic and repair info. It was a pleasant win for consumers, and of course, it was fought by car makers themselves. Again, these are the writers that will always want to honor the car gods. Honor the gods! To them, you have to honor the car. If that car is built with some of the best engineers and a consumer purchases that car for use and gets to burn rubber, gets to track it, gets to lift it, gets to do all these things that a car guy loves to do, well, part of what that car guy is doing is in this world of big data, they are generating data on that car. There's naturally going to be a affinity to wanting to have access to that data so that the car guy can take that data wherever they want. Most average people wouldn't actually care. I actually, I really do believe that. I've been saying that a while. I've been saying, and this actually goes back to an episode I did with Warren Zena, where we talked about location data. And for the most part, if we all were so concerned and preoccupied about being tracked, we would absolutely not take our phones with us. Back to the guys at Jalopnik. So automakers are naturally going to fight this because they do not feel like they need to move on this so quickly, in which I, I would agree. To be honest with you, when I had the conversation with Aaron Lowe from the Auto Care Association, I did not find it to be a compelling answer why it was so timely to get this ballot passed now, as opposed to if we had to wait two years or four years. Because the reality is, the telematics data, this is still so new. I mean... Again, understanding that location data has been with us for a 20, 30 years now. And we still don't know really what to do with that, right? Because part of it is the privacy issues. So why couldn't we just hold off on this rights repair law? I would have been I would have been okay with that. I certainly do think as a matter of principle that the data being generated by you driving the car should be the driver, the owner of the car, you know? I mean, this would this would kind of go back and support the user model that I love, a user-based model. If it's the gas tax, if it's a corridor pricing, if it's a toll booth, you know? Those kinds of user-based systems pay per mile. Paper mile insurance, these user-based systems is one that I'm all for. So having access to that data as the driver, as the owner of the car, fits that user-based model. 
So this right to repair law is definitely something that I, uh, from a automotive slash social cause, is something that I am following very closely. And so I will continue to talk about that, feature some guests about that particular topic as we move forward. Okay, uh, next thing. Previously this week, I released a an episode featuring John Kett of Insurance Auto Auctions, IAA, stock symbol IAA. There was a couple things on there that he had said to me that made me think differently about their stock as well as what they do in the automotive ecosystem. Here's the first thing that he said. And then down to Central America is a really strong market. The Middle East, so, you know, Dubai, UAE, that because it's a trans-shipping point to other areas of the Middle East. So that that's, and those kind of seem logical, but uh, the place that's been most fascinating to me is West Africa. So Ghana and Nigeria are actually very big markets for U.S. Uh, salvage vehicles. So what John is talking about there is how their business operation of wholesaling, auctioning, total loss vehicles, vehicles that are involved in an accident, vehicles that the insurance company will not pay enough to cover the damages to get repaired. So then essentially what ends up happening is that the insurance just basically takes it over, deems it a total loss, and then they turn it over to a company like IAA to dispose of it. What does IAA do? They will look to do what's necessary to get it to ready to sell. They could, you know, that could mean buying parts for the car to repair certain aspects of it. It could be to, to do nothing, to keep it as is, take some photos of it, put it up on the internet and have people bid on it essentially. And so what he's saying there is that as part of their international operation, they're seeing some activity in West Africa, in Ghana and Nigeria. And I think that's super interesting and sustainable. Let me get deep now on you. I think one of the things that we have seen this past year with COVID being locked in is that we now sit around our humble abodes and we look around and we often see that there is a lot of waste. There's a lot of waste. We've bought a lot of things throughout the years that have piled up and you kind of put it in a box, put it in the corner, put it in the garage. And you just let it be. When we think back on the amount of cars there are in the United States, 300 million with a population of 300 and what is it, 20, 330 million? So there's effectively a very small percentage of the U.S. population that doesn't have access to a car. I mean, that's, that's pretty ridiculous. So we're lucky to be in this current environment where we have plenty of vehicles that the rest of the world could benefit from our excesses and hence the sustainability operation of the entire automotive ecosystem. So that was one thing that I was very stoked to hear about with IAA, again, stock symbol IAA, insurance auto auctions. Since they split from car their stock has just rocketed up 
it's kind of hit a point right now, or at least over the last couple months, that kind of plateaued right around $60, a share price. So that's IA. Again, have a look at the episode page, and I'll post the link to the recording that I did with their CEO, Mr. John Kett. Okay, let's get into the stock market now. This week in the market recap, I'm going to do something a little bit different because of the nature of some of the stocks that I'm going to be talking about, and they're not even specifically stocks. So there's a spoiler spoiler alert for you. So there is a battle brewing, and I'm looking forward to the competition here. I found this week a hand full of ETFs that are all vying in the autonomous connected electric vehicle space. And I want to highlight the five that I've come across so far. Now, again, this is a horse race, ladies and gentlemen. This is going to be something that all of these ETFs are going to be vying for your money. And look, when you look at these ETFs, a lot of their top 10 holdings, which I'm going to go over with you, a lot of the top 10 holdings are pretty similar across the board. If anything, what's going to differentiate these ETFs are essentially what their stated objectives are. And again, that's what I'm going to be doing a lot of reading here for you. So I'm fairly new to all of these ETFs, so bear with me as I go through these, but these will definitely be some uh, some funds that I will be following throughout the coming years as they attempt to invest money into the entire connected autonomous electric vehicle space in order to find unicorns, right? I mean, again, that's kind of the whole free market aspect about the capital markets, ETFs, stocks, companies going public, all those kinds of things, right? They're trying to find solutions to problems that are out there. And ETFs are one way of funding projects through massive capital investments. Okay, so first one, stock symbol, IDRV, iShares Self-Driving EV and Tech ETF. Here's their stated objective. The investment seeks to track the investment Results of the New York Stock Exchange FactSet Global Autonomous Driving and Electric Vehicle Index. So this was one thing that I was looking into that there's there's a lot of these ETFs are using some index that's out there that is tracking, you know, the particular industry. In this case, the ETF of iDrive is following the New York Stock Exchange FactSet Global Robotics and Artificial Intelligence Index. Now, the one thing I think that is very unique about this particular index is that it seems to be more on where are the locations of this of the companies and the technology, where are they? And based on where they are, this ETF will then look to make those investments based on their geographic location. So that was actually kind of interesting about this particular ETF. Another ETF, 
Smart ETFs, Smart Transportation and Technology ETF. Symbol M-O-T-O. These names are freaking horrible. So Moto's stated objective, prospectus stated objectives. The investment seeks long-term capital appreciation. The fund will invest in publicly traded equity securities of domestic or foreign companies that are involved in the development and production of products or services for smart transportation, including safer, cleaner, or connected vehicles. So this is an interesting one here too, MOTO. And just as a teaser, I did reach out to MOTO and they may be potentially on the show. So that's going to be great to hear about their investment strategy. But nonetheless, this is an interesting one because they are investing in the companies that are going to be involved in public transit, public transportation, mobility projects. Okay, when I look at uh, this ETF, I think about companies like VIA, you know, prior guest on the show, uh, Chase Frazier of Frazier McCones Capital. As a matter of fact, actually, they changed their name. They're called uh, First Movers, First Movers Capital. Had him on the show a while ago, and he was one of the VCs that's been part of VIA for some time. And so VIA is making some very big headways within a lot of municipalities and deploying their transportation as a service. So another company, and again, I had the co-founder, and I think he's the COO, Sam Baker of Wonder Mobility, right? These are both Wonder Mobility and VIA are companies that operate in the transportation as a service space. And so this particular ETF is going to be looking at those. Now, those two companies, unfortunately, are not on the uh, public markets. They're not, in, they're not available to trade. Although I'll give you a spoiler alert. I'll give you a, my, I'll give you my forecast here. VIA is a company that I can see eventually going public. You heard it here first. And as a matter of fact, that's one thing I actually want to press a little bit more and try to find out if that is indeed a strategy of VIA to grow and expand is to eventually go public. That's going to be very, very interesting. Okay. Moto, M-O-T-O, this ETF, again, they're going to be investing more into equities that are involved with smart transportation, transportation as a service. Another ETF, Spider S&P Kensho Smart Mobility ETF. Symbol H-A-I-L, HAIL. The objective, this investment seeks to provide investment results that before fees and expenses correspond generally to the total return performance of the S&P Kensho Smart Transportation Index. Again, this goes back to what I was saying about the iDrive ETF. They're using an index to base, base a lot of their investment strategies. And so in this case, Hail, H-I-H-A-I-L, is basing their investments off of the index, the S&P Kensho Smart Transportation Index. From what I gather with this S&P Kensho Smart Transportation Index, it is similar to what companies the Moto ETF is investing in, that being 
transportation as a service providers and technology. The one difference with S&P Kensho Smart Transportation that I can presume is that they also have a focus on drones and also, as it says here, that's Again, they're investing in companies in the S&P Kensho Drones Index with a focus on civilian and commercial applications. So to me, this would also suggest that they're not just looking to stay at ground level. They're looking to go above ground. And I would almost presume then that based on the language of civilian and commercial applications, these are probably some prior naval engineers, you know, a combination of people that were engineers, a combination of folks who were trained as an engineer, but also then worked in the Navy, in the Air Force, something of that nature. So that is the H-A-I-L, HAIL ETF. The last two, the last two are a bit in competition of one another. Again, that's why this is going to be an interesting horse race of these ETFs. So the fourth ETF is DRIV, symbol is DRIV. I'm going to call this DRIVE. The name of the ETF is Global X Autonomous and Electric Vehicles ETF. The investment seeks to provide investment results that correspond generally to the price and yield performance of the Sole Active Autonomous and Electric Vehicles Index. All right, so this is the index that Drive is going to be is basing their investments on. And so what is the Sole Active Autonomous and Electric Vehicle Index? Let me read here some more. The Sole Active Autonomous and Electric Vehicles Index tracks the price movements in shares of companies which are or are expected to be in the near future active in the electric vehicles and autonomous driving segments. So this one is a little bit more narrowly focused. But what's interesting is a lot of these ETFs, I believe all of these ETFs, are right within the are, are within very close proximity of one another in terms of total net assets. I think they're all somewhere around 40 million. I could be wrong on that one. I'll double check that. The last one is CARS, K-A-R-S, not to be mistaken for K-A-R, car auction services. This has an S at the end, K-A-R-S, CARS, stands for Crane Shares Electric Vehicles and Future Mobility. The investment seeks to provide investment results that correspond generally to the price and yield performance of the sole active electric vehicles and future mobility index. Again, same index that Drive is basing their investments on. So hopefully you can see the commonalities of these ETFs and what they're trying to do to provide investments in the connected autonomous and electric vehicle space that would benefit both private that would both benefit the private sector as well as the public sector and just as a 
very quick listing of some of the companies that these are all that that these ETFs are investing in and it's not going to be so outrageous to hear which companies these are you could probably guess the first one the one of the you know it seems like this company is it 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 contains most of the investments of these ETFs and that is Tesla all companies, all these ETFs, I mean, um, do share some sort of investment or have some sort of investment with Tesla. Other automakers that you would see on here, Toyota, NIO, the Chinese automaker, NIO, General Motors is also on here, BMW, and that would comprise all the automakers. Now, again, that I'm just mentioning the automakers that are listed in the top 10 holdings of these ETFs as of today. So that could change later on. Other types of companies that are that these ETFs are invested in, NVIDIA, Qualcomm, a lot of the semiconductor. So NVIDIA, Qualcomm, Advanced Micro Devices, Microsoft, Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing, On Semiconductor Corporation, Texas Instruments, Cisco. So those would be some of the semiconductor and just software companies that are that these ETFs hold investments in. And so if you do take a look at where their share prices are, and especially if you were to look at it year to date, you know, year to date, they are all up. Correction, not all of them. It looks like Drive is the only one. Maybe, wait, maybe there's one more. No, Drive is the only one that is down for the year. That also has been around for quite some time. The Drive ETF has been around since it looks like early 2000s, maybe even prior to 2000. A lot of these other ETFs, from what I can see, yeah, are within the last couple years. So the drive ETF is probably going to be a very difficult one to come from behind and be declared a, a winner in this race of these ETFs. Okay, so those were some of the ETFs that I'm going to be following closely, and I hope to have some of those investment managers on the show to talk about what they see going on in the connected autonomous and electric vehicle space. So stay tuned for that. Thanks for tuning in to the Friday Rundown on Wisco Weekly. Have a good weekend, and I'll be back next week. Hey listeners, thanks for tuning into this episode of the Friday Rundown on Wisco Weekly. If you're enjoying the show, please do rate and review on Apple Podcasts. And also, please stick around and listen to my fembot, Fiona. Wisco Weekly is providing this information for educational purposes only. We are not providing legal, accounting, or financial advisory services, and this is not a solicitation or recommendation to buy or sell any stocks, options, or other financial instruments or investments. 
Examples that address specific assets, stocks, options or other financial instrument transactions are for illustrative purposes only and may not represent specific trades or transactions that we have conducted. In fact, we may use examples that are different or the opposite of transactions we have conducted or positions we hold. This site and any information or training therein is also not intended as a solicitation for any future relationship, business or otherwise between the members or participants and the moderators. No express or implied warranties are being made with respect to these services and products. All investing and trading in the securities market involves risk. Any decisions to place trades in the financial markets, including trading in stock or options or other financial instruments, is a personal decision that should only be made after thorough research, including a personal risk and financial assessment, and the engagement of professional assistance to the extent you believe necessary.